book of Philippians this morning will be in Philippians chapter number one, Philippians chapter number one, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning uh, from the book of Philippians, and as always, by the time we get here, I've already been blessed. I've been blessed by the fellowship, uh, blessed by the music, and uh, certainly uh, thankful for our church and what God has given us here. In Philippians chapter number 1, and uh, I'm going to read verse 20 through 26. Uh, this sounds a little bit different to me. Does it sound okay to you? Okay, nobody hears me because nobody's responding. Okay, I'm making sure. Uh, uh, it just sounds different to me, but uh, that doesn't mean it's different. Uh, Philippians chapter number 1, uh, let's read verse 20 down through verse number 26, if you'll follow along with me, beginning with verse number 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul is writing this letter to the Christians, to the church at Philippi. He makes some interesting statements, some uh, profound statements, some statements for you and I to learn from. Chapter number one of this, uh, of this book, this letter, it really shows the tenderness of the heart of Paul. It shows the pliability that is his life. It shows the, the love and the concern that he had for those fellow Christians. But even his desire to be a blessing to those that he had won to Christ, those that he had had a part in his life, we certainly sense his longing to be with his Lord. I want to draw your attention to verse number 20, the last phrase of verse number 20, whether it be by life or by death. This morning I've given the message, this title, by life or by death, by life or by death. Father, we pray this morning that you would use your word to help us today. And Father, may the message that you've put in my heart, may you give me the ability to convey it as you would have it conveyed. And Father, I pray that the listener this morning would not necessarily lend their ear to my voice, but may they lend their ear and their heart to the Spirit of God today. And Father, we pray once again for those that might be unsaved, may they trust Christ today as their personal Savior. That whatever is needed today in the heart and the life of each Christian, I pray that the Spirit of God would minister to them. And Father, may it be also said of us, for by life or by death, as our focus is on Christ, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a unique life. And certainly one of the most amazing stories of the grace of God 
One of the most unique lives that we find record of in Scripture is the Apostle Paul. That vile man, that murderer, the one who had the knowledge of the law, but yet had rejected Christ. And his conversion uh, on the road to Damascus is, is certainly a remarkable thing to think of. If his life had ended there, it would be an amazing story of God's grace. But yet God still had a unique life and task designed for him by God. By, by God. We do not have his task, but we can apply his thinking concerning the task God has for us. There is one Apostle Paul, there's one you, there's one me. And there were tasks that God designed just for Paul. There are tasks that God has designed just for you. Paul's focus was not necessarily on the task. Paul's focus was on Christ. Paul's focus was not on himself. Paul's focus was on Christ. When your focus is on Christ, your view of life in eternity are correct. This world does not have a correct view of eternity because their focus is not on Christ. This world says live life the way you want to live it and make yourself happy, acquire all you can have because they think nothing of eternity, think nothing of the moment they take that last breath and they face the Almighty God. Sadly, many Christians don't have a proper view of eternity because their life in eternity because their view is not on Christ. But when your focus is on Christ, <coughs> your view of life and eternity are correct. Focus on Christ keeps your focus correct in life. Your pastor, how do I stay right with God? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Keep your eyes on Him. How do I, I know what the will of God is for my life. Keep, keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow Him. A lot of uncertainty in life can be remedied by putting our focus on Christ. Fears of death can be eliminated by putting our focus on Christ. Purpose in life is revealed when we put our focus on Christ. When we consider Paul's statement, whether it be by life or by death, we get a better understanding of his mindset in 2 Timothy as he writes those well-known words, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. How could he make that statement as he looked death in the face? Well, we find that answer, we find some insight in our text this morning, Philippians 1, because he had the proper view of life and death because by life it was Christ or by death it was Christ. So whether he lived or whether he died, it was all about Christ. If he had life to live, he would live that for Christ. But when death came, death brought him a, re a reuniting with his Savior, with the one who had saved him. So when he writes those words, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, we see from this passage that the proper focus in life allows the proper understanding and perception of death. The child of God should not fear death if we have our focus on Him and have the proper perception, the proper view of life in death. Our focus is first on Christ for our salvation. 
In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts 16, 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. If you think about when you got saved, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, your eyes were on Christ, your focus was on Him. Maybe you had, were trying to earn your way to heaven and your focus was on the good works that you did or your focus was on church membership or your focus was on a baptism. And friend, when you finally put your eyes on Jesus and how God sent Him to this world to pay man's sin debt, and you identified, not just with the world, but the fact that Christ, the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, died for your sins. If you're saved this morning, it's because you first put your focus on Christ at salvation. Our focus on Christ after salvation then turns to obedience to Christ through surrender. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When we were granted the gift of salvation by the grace of God, by faith in Christ, our focus was on Him. After that salvation, our focus is still on Christ, but it is for a surrender to Him and obedience to Him. You cannot follow Christ if your eyes aren't on Him. There's a lot of people who think they can just put Christ follower as a hashtag, and it makes them a follower of Christ. No, friend, you cannot you cannot be a follower of Christ until you've surrendered to Him, until you're obedient to Him. Uh, Jesus certainly prefers do what I do, what I do, what I say, other uh, uh, in light of uh, what He has commanded, more than all of the word games that we play. Our focus after salvation turns to obedience to Christ. I am crucified with Christ. That means my will was crucified. My desires were crucified. Finally, after our focus is on Christ for salvation, our focus is on Christ for surrender and obedience to Him, our focus must be on Christ to fulfill His will for our lives and to finish faithfully. If you're saved this morning, you were saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you say this morning, that's my testimony. My focus was on Him and I got saved. If you're saved, the next step or that focus should still be on Him. For our surrender, our obedience to Him. And if we want to, like Paul was able to say, when he looked death in the face, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Then you and I must 
keep our focus on Christ to fulfill His will and to finish faithfully. Aren't you thankful that when you put your focus on Christ for salvation and He saved your soul, that once saved, always saved? By the way, it's not the Spirit of God uh, who's telling you that what God has, has promised is not enough. Uh, that's not the Spirit of God telling you that salvation is more than, than grace and by faith in Christ. Likewise, after we're saved, we must keep our eyes on Him to be obedient through surrender and then to finish Our focus must be on Christ to fulfill His will. Think back just a moment ago, I made the statement that Paul had a unique life and task designed for him by God. Paul wanted to complete his course, his race, fulfilling those tasks that God created for him. In order to do so, he he had to have the mindset that we see in our passage of Scripture this morning... For by life or by death. If you and I are going to fulfill those unique tasks that God has created for our lives, or should, should I say that God has created our lives to fulfill, then we must have the same mindset. We must find Paul's thinking which was his guide for fulfilling and finishing by life or by death. It would be easy for you and I to say, well, that's what Paul thought. I think that's a good thing for me to adopt. But if we don't look deeper into Paul's thinking or his conversation or manner of living, we'll miss the process in the heart and mind of Paul that will help us keep our focus on Christ and say, by life or by death. Notice with me several things this morning. Notice, first of all, number one, we find Paul's expectations for himself. In verse number 20, according to my earnest expectation. Friend, I I think it's good for you and I, as a child of God, to put expectations on ourselves. We're good. At putting expectations on others. Well, they're not doing what they should do. They're not as faithful as they should be. And, and they, they should be doing all of this. But friend, Paul said, according to my earnest expectation, he had an expert, ex, expectation from the Lord, but he also had expectation and hope in, in, in his own life that, is, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Think of the expectations for himself that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Friend, what a high standard and expectation. Could you imagine what it would do in our churches, in our homes, in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, if God's people put an expectation on themselves that there is nothing that I do that that would bring a reproach to the name of Christ? There's nothing that would bring shame to him, nothing that one day I would hang my head or as the day ends, I hang my head and say, my my speech 
did not honor him. My, my actions did not honor him. My, 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 I, did, I, did, I was disobedient to him. That was his expectation for himself. So I just got to find a church that doesn't have such high expectations. How about to by life or by death? I live Christ. Friend, when you get to a place where you don't need the pastor to place expectations, you don't need a church to place expectations, you don't need brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or what somebody else has said, the fact that Jesus died for my sins, the fact that I'm a his child, the fact that I serve him, I place expectations on myself that I want my life to honor him. I want my speech to honor him. I, I'm not worried about the world around me. I'm not worried about the opinions of others, but by life, or by death, I have an expectation that nothing I shall be ashamed. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Well, Christian, how bold are you in living your life for Christ? We are bold in the church house. How about when you go to work tomorrow? We're bold when we're in an environment like this. How about when you're around a lost world? That lost family or maybe even save people, but lukewarm, backslidden, no desire to serve God, what is the expectation for ourselves that we place on us because our love and our focus of Christ, one of the most dangerous things for a Christian, this Bible warns about it, is putting your focus on, on man. Say, well, the, the church disappointed me, so, or, or, or as an independent Baptist, that disappointed me. Your eyes are in the wrong place. You're telling on yourself. But if our focus is on Christ, it matters not what man around me does. It matters not what the carnality around me is. My focus is on him, and I've placed that expectation on me so that Christ might be magnified. But we have revival if, before this service concluded, Christians would be honest and say, I need to raise the expectations on myself. Boy, I change depending on who I'm with and who I'm talking to. In the environment I find myself in and well, I would never, I would never uh, tolerate or say these things or be a part of something if the church people around me or if the pastor was there or if somebody else was there. But oh, when I get in that different crowd, that, that expectation lowers. Friend, that wasn't the Apostle Paul. That wasn't the mindset of by life or by death, I want to honor Christ. It's an expectation on himself. So, well, well, the, the expectation, my, 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 these young, young people, listen to me. Your, your parents ought to have goals and they ought to have the expectations for you. But it's a good day in your life when you get to the place as a young man, as a young lady, and you say, I'm not living by, by dad's expectations anymore. I'm not living by mom's expectations anymore. 
I'm not even living by the youth director's expectations anymore or the pastor's expectations. There's expectations I'm placing on myself because my focus is on Christ, because he saved me when I was unworthy of salvation. He's given me a life I can serve him. Those are the expectations for me that with all boldness I might live, that he might be magnified. We see number two. As we consider by life or by death that mindset and mentality that Paul possessed, we must notice Paul's approach concerning death. Verse 23, for I'm in a strait betwixt two. Paul's saying I'm stuck in the middle. What's he stuck in the middle of? having a desire to depart. Now, he's not talking about leaving their, 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 their company and going to another city. He's talking about leaving their company and going home, going to be with the Lord, and to be with Christ, which is far better. His approach concerning death was one that I think Christians need to Take a moment this morning and give consideration of. He had a strong desire to be with Christ, and he knew that death was the only gateway. He didn't look at death as, oh, it's, it's the end. He looked at death as the beginning. And as he if you could picture it this way, held it in one hand life, and he held in one hand eternity. He said, I'm stuck in the middle. Paul declares, makes a statement that Christians, you and I need to grab a hold of. He said, if I was with Christ, which is far better? Can, can I give a little comfort and insight, a reminder this morning? Those of our loved ones and friends who are going on to be with the Lord, they're better off than we are. They're better off than they were. And friend, when we pass through that portal of death, we'll be better off by being with the Lord. By life or by death. His approach concerning death. He was torn between life and eternity. But he had such a strong desire to be with Christ that he longed for the day. He looked forward to the day. Where he could be with him in eternity. Friend, it's a good thing, not a bad thing, when our heart gets to the place where we long to be with the Lord. So I don't ever think about that. Maybe we should start. You know what will help you? Long to be with the Lord. That takes me to number three. It's, it's Paul's focus in life. Your focus in life is a direct reflection on your focus in eternity. He says by life or by death. He had that strong desire. He had placed expectations on himself to magnify the Lord. He had a desire to be with Christ, which is far better. And as we progress in the message this morning, we're going to get a, an understanding of why he was torn between life and eternity. 
But as we see number three, Paul's focus in life, look with me at ver- back at verse number 21 and verse number 22. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I wot not. See, why could Paul say in verse 23, I'm torn between life and death, and well, you get a sense and an understanding, his desire to depart and be with Christ because it's far better. How can somebody say that? Well, if I can just say it like this, it's because he thought about him more than once a week. It's because he kept a short confessional list when he failed God. It's because he talked to him every day. He communed with him every day. The Spirit of God ministered to Paul. And oh, as he, he won people and those that he served with went on to be with the Lord, his His life was focused to the point where, well, eternity is what I'm living for so that I may be in His presence, that would be far better. He says, for me to live is Christ. The reason why he he had such a desire to be with the Lord, he said, by life or by death, is because he lived Christ. That was his desire to please him. His focus was all on Christ and pleasing Christ. Think back when, in the introduction when I said our, eyes must, our focus must be on the Lord for salvation. Our focus must be on the Lord for that surrender of that obedience. Our focus must be on the Lord to, to finish faithfully. We find a truth and some more understanding of his mindset in verse 22. But if I live in the flesh... This is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. He references fruit of his labor. Paul's focus was one of eternal, not temporal. He laid up for himself treasures in heaven. It was eternal. He realized that the gospel and getting the gospel to the lost was the priority. Why? Because man has an eternal soul. Paul did not try and build a kingdom for himself. Paul tried to do everything he could do to get the gospel out. Paul could have established himself at any of these churches. Uh, he, was, he was more educated than any man he came in contact with. The Spirit of God was on him. But he could have said, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit back and rest and, and rest in my laurels. And, and I've done all of these things. But he wanted by life or by death that to be Christ. There was fruit of his labor. Why? Because he had a temporal viewpoint. I'm sad to say, and I'm certainly uh, brushing with a broad brush this morning when I say this, but churches and Christians today, we're supposed to have our focus on eternity, and yet it's focused on the temporal. 
we're more concerned with what society thinks about us than what heaven thinks about us. Preachers today are more concerned about what a fellowship thinks about them or their alma mater thinks about them than what God thinks about them. Christians are more concerned with what their, their, their either lost or, or backslidden family members think about them than what God thinks about them. He had an eternal view. And friend, the first thing we ought to think of when we think of eternity is our soul. Where's our soul going to spend eternity? Well, aren't you thankful that Jesus saved sinners, saved you? Aren't you thankful he's still saving sinners today? Well, as we serve him, we ought to be striving for fruit of our labor. Fruit for him. I take the remaining minutes this morning and draw your attention to number four as we see Paul's realization concerning others. All these things are building, and we're getting the insight into why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For you and I as a child of God to be able to say to die is gain. We say that often to comfort ourselves because we have the promises of heaven. There's nothing wrong with that. But Paul certainly believed this because he knew that to be with Christ is far better. How could he say this and how could he say he set these expectations that whether he lives or whether he dies, Christ is magnified. But when he, if he dies, he's leaving something behind, his fruit. He's torn between that which is far better. And friend, let me just remind all of us, heaven's far better than this down here. To be with Christ is far better than anything that we may experience down here. To be rid of all of these problems and to be rid of this old flesh and to be, be rid of, of, of uh, and, and to think that we're, to never hear God's name taken in vain again, but his name is only used, giving him the honor and the glory that he deserves. It's far better to be with Christ. But he was torn. He was torn. Paul had been cheating death from man's perspective for a while. Not from God's perspective. No doubt when Paul was in prison, he's like, this is it. They're going to beat me to death. Instead, they beat him half to death. Why is that? God wasn't done with him. Paul had to think, well, if he's done with me, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And maybe there was times he thought, this is it. I'm going to see my Savior. God wasn't done with him yet. Why am I between two? Why won't the Lord just take me home? Well, we get some insight in that when his realization concerning others. Look at verse 24 through 26. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul was wise enough and he was spiritual enough to say, it'd be better for me with this thorn in my flesh, the scars on my back from the beatings. 
from the weariness. Leave all this behind and be with Jesus. But it's better for me to be here for you. Verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance of joy and faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by me coming to you again. Our Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our Bible tells us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Positionally, as far as salvation is concerned, positionally we're already in heaven. But yet, God has seen fit to put us here at this time and leave us here and not be with Him. If God loves us enough to save us because He wants us to be with Him, it's far better to be with Christ than to be here then why are we torn between the two places? Why was Paul torn between the two places? Because Paul came to a realization concerning the others. Others are what was keeping him here. There were others that needed him. And friend, let me say, the same Jesus that saved Paul saved you and me. And if you're lost today, the same Jesus that saved Paul and saved all those today who can testify that will save you today if you put your faith and trust in Him. That, that same Jesus saved him so that he might have eternal life, saved you and I so that we might have eternal life. God sent his son to die for every man, just as God wanted Paul to be with him. God wants you and I to be with him. And just like God left Paul, because there are others who need him, the very reason why you and I are here and not in eternity with Jesus which is far better, is because there's somebody else that needs us. There's somebody else that needs our life, needs our influence, needs our ministry, needs our prayers, needs our love, needs our concern, needs our sacrifice, needs our dedication, needs our focus on Christ. Why would he not take us home to be with him and leave all these problems behind and leave these ailments behind? Why would we not be with him? Because it's far better to be in that far country heaven with him because there's somebody here that needs us. He states, to abide in this flesh is more needful of you. God knows that you need me. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. He said, I'm betwixt two. I want to go. I want to be with my Lord. It's better to be with him. But God's left me here, and I know it's because I'm supposed to be a help to you. I know it's I give you encouragement. I know I give you leadership. I know I I help you with this and strengthen you. So if I'm still here, I know that it's so that I should bring abundance to your life. I should cause you to continue and grow and, and offer your furtherance and joy of the faith. Their lives, why was he, he, can, he realized that he was here because their lives may be more abundant by his coming to you again. 
I've already stated it, but the reason we're not with the Lord, which is far better, is the fact we're supposed to help others grow in their Christian life. So let me conclude with a question, and I'm going to be pretty fairly pointed this morning. Where's your focus? Is it on by life or by death? What can be, what gives the evidence of your focus? So who are you helping grow? If the reason why we're all here is because God has a unique task for us to do, and more specifically, others. That our life is to cause them to live more abundantly. That God will use our life that they may have joy. God will use our life that they, there might be furtherance. They might grow in their faith. If we're here because there's a work for us to do, are we fulfilling the reason why God left us here? Every parent needs to understand that you have others in your home that God gave you, not for your own pleasure, but for Him. And it's a parent's responsibility to help them grow in their Christian life. And by the way, it's not the, to be a roadblock to it. It's to help them grow in their life. Well, all of us come in contact with people that we can pray for and we help and we, 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 we encourage. And, and as we tie this in with what we know is true about the Great Commission, we all have something that we can do to help others be a part and to grow by life or by death. Paul didn't care. If I live, then there's more than I can do for you. If I die, I'm going to be with my Savior. If you're here, and you say, I don't know why God left me here. Well, it's obvious. Somebody needs you. So be what you're supposed to be. For that somebody. Keep your focus on Christ. Maybe your eyes have gotten off of him. Put them back on him today. Surrender to him. And as we live. Let's not live selfish. Temporal lives. Well, this is what I think about. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I. Let's, let's stop all that. Who can I be a help to? Who can I be a blessing to? Who? Let me, let me just tell you this morning, Emmanuel Baptist Church is here for such a time as this. There are people that we're supposed to help. There are people that we're supposed to be a blessing to. There are people that we're supposed to give the gospel to. That's why we are here. And friend, you get a, you get a tainted view on what life is and what its life's about and how we're supposed to live if our focus is not on Christ. As I have days to live, may there be an expectation that I set on myself. You know, 
young people, and this applies in all areas, whether it's a spiritual authority or whatever it is, you don't have to worry about what the expectations other people have set on you when you set, set them on yourself. If you allow me to use the, the illustration of sports for a moment, you think these, those that are at the top of their game, you think the coach has got to show, tell them when they got to be at practice? I mean, the stories of these great NBA players that of years gone by, three hours before practice, you think these, you think, you say, well, my mom and, and they just won't leave me alone about A, B, and C. We'll live up to that. Put higher expectations on you than they do. And you know what? They'll never get on you. Part of why God gives you a shepherd too, by the way, is to say there's an expectation. We should be living up to it. You know, when, you, when, when the pastor preaches on soul winning, you know who's not uncomfortable? Those that go soul winning. When the pastor preaches on money, you know who's not uncomfortable? Those that are right with their money, tithing, giving. Some of you twins, just when I you just said the word money. You know who doesn't bother, does it bother them when the pastor preaches on holiness? Those that are doing their best to be holy? If Christ is truly our example... And if he's truly our standard, then with we make him the standard in our life, that's so much higher than any man's expectation. That's so much higher than this world's expectation. He's the focus. We put those expectations on ourselves. And Paul says, I don't know why I'm still here. Except for the fact God must have determined that you need me. And he didn't say that. We're going to preach in the latter part of that chapter tonight. He wasn't saying that to brag on himself because he wanted to go. But he was going to fulfill the work that God had for him to do. God needs, he has somebody that only you can help. He has somebody for you to influence. It would be a shame for all this time we could be with the Lord, but God left us here to do a task and we're ignoring the reason why God left us here. Why don't we, as we leave today, maybe there's a young couple, a young, a single adult, young people even, stretches through all the way across. But maybe specifically in those areas, I, I want to know what God wants for my life. Change the what to a who. The lost. The hurting. The discouraged. The weak. Boy, if we change the what I do to the who I help. Now we're living as Christ lived. Now our focus is where Christ was. Whether I live or whether I die, it should be Christ. Father, help us today as we consider the truths.